Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Lori Frankel is a New York Times best-selling author, a film-optioned author, and today we have the incredibly good luck of talking books, writing, and so much more with Lori Frankel. Lori, welcome to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so glad. These are my favorite things to talk about. Well, I'm so happy to have you for so many reasons. I have been so lucky on my show to interview amazing authors, fall in love with their books, but I very rarely have a chance to just pick a book. And recently I reached out to my friend Barbara Conry, who was a USA Today bestseller and said, what should I read? And she said, bar none, read This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. Lori, it is an amazing book. I was so honored. I think people don't understand how approachable you are, but authors may be in general. I just reached out and you said, I'd love to be on The Storytellers. So tell us about This Is How It Always Is. I would love to. Gosh, it's hard to know where to begin. Um, it is a book that was came together in a lot of ways that were surprising, which is often true for me at least, of the process of writing novels. I mean, the thing about novels is they're really long. And so, and they take a long time to write. And, um, and, and I don't know very much about them going in. And so they can go in, in almost any direction at all. Um, this book, This Is How It Always Is, is about a transgender kid. And I have a transgender kid. But neither of those things was 100% clear to me going in. Um, I mean, it's clearly I was thinking about it and researching it and reading about it and writing about it, but it wasn't something that I uh, like necessarily quite set out to do in, in that very linear way. Um, and so when both of those things came together, it was surprising and uh, alarming. And, uh, and it has also made for a very interesting journey for that one. One of the things I love about your writing is you echo a phrase that I um, use all the time, f- that families are funny and complicated places. And yeah. uh, I use that in my day-to-day life. And you certainly yes. do that um, in your stories. I love the opening scene of This Is How It Always Is, where I laughed out loud mm-hmm. at this high, um, high-performing woman doctor who is praying for a baby girl to conceive. And it just immediately throws us into family. Yeah. How important is that? And your new book coming out is Family, Family. I want to talk about that right. as well. So family are complicated places. Is, is that something you would echo? Family are complicated places, 100%, yes. And I, and yeah, that's what the new book is about. And that's what the new book is titled, essentially. And, um, and, and I think, I mean, I find that this is one of the things that people agree on, and there are fewer and fewer of those these days. Um, But I kind of feel like no matter your background, no matter your approach, no matter what kind of family you got, you're likely to agree that it is 
complicated. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that we use family sometimes as shorthand for friends we really like. Like we say, oh, she's like a sister to me. Um, you know, or like, oh, right, these people are my chosen family. And I think that's so interesting because on its own, family is doesn't mean that. It's, in fact, I think often the opposite. They are um, relationships that we are stuck with for better and for worse. And and, um, and so I think that, that that's a really interesting thing. I mean, I also just think families are endlessly fascinating because because they're they're essentially stranded together on an on an island. You know, there's just a classic literary trope. Like what happens when you put these people in a box together and see what happens? And that that never fails to be interesting. Um, and and the fact that you share blood or sometimes not with these people um, does does not mitigate that. In fact, if anything, it raises the stakes. And so I, I always think that's very interesting. Families of origin versus chosen families. And you've actually played for played with both. You have the idea of the sisters who are, or the friends who are co-raising a child. Right. How did that come to you? Same way. Um, in, in that same kind of an idea that, um, that family is, is who you are stuck with, but it is not necessarily because you are born together, but it is also not necessarily because you're like, oh, these are my best friends and I will love them always. Um, not, not, of course, to say anything against best friends and chosen family, but, but that once we, once we cross people over into family, that's a different thing. And that's really interesting to me. And so um, those, those friends who are raising a child together do become family. And it's not because they they really love each other or at least like each other all the time and always get along in fact they do not and to my mind that's what makes them family i mean like to my mind um these are people who if they were friends you wouldn't see them anymore necessarily um but because they're family you do and um and there are many wonderful things about that but then there are also things that i think are really difficult and fraught and let's talk about all of them well and i think that's something i'm also intrigued about with your writing you do an extraordinary job of point of view oh thank you you're welcome uh <laughs> is 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 that hard work for, well all of writing is hard work but your stories very much touch on everyone's point of view in your this is how it always is I love that I get to be in many people's heads. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, as a reader, I like to be in many people's heads. It's true. Um, I am, I'm always more interested in that than omniscience um, or, you know, like very, very limited where I only get to be in one person's head. I'm like, yeah, but what about that guy? <laughs> What's going on over there? Um, I have decision-making problems and this is, this is no doubt reflective of it. Um, I, you know, I, it is true writing is hard and there are lots and lots of aspects of it that are hard um that for me is easier than others i i am i am inclined towards dialogue um i i like to have people have conversations and i i mean i think it's one of the things that the novel is best at i am definitely that way inclined like left to my own devices i'm writing plays so i have to make like little post-it notes to myself that say like describe really anything would be great like some exposition here my my editor likes to put in the in the margins um because because on my own i am 
I am just writing dialogue. And I think that makes the point of view stuff. It lends itself to a point of view stuff. Once you let characters start speaking for themselves, they'll tell you. Um, they'll tell you what they what they think and what their ideas are. And I want to hear it. I always want to hear it. One of the things I thought you so artfully did in This Is How It Always Is, is you have the story of the transgender child. And there's a transition to Thailand where all of a sudden it's quite common, yeah. which was very eye-opening to me. And then after that, I saw something about there's a whole group in Mexico that is also yeah. non-binary. Uh, so I loved the cult. I always love to learn in a novel. How did you choose that as a nuance? I knew going into that book that I wanted to do a mother-daughter road trip at the end of it, towards the end of it. I wanted, I wanted also a literary trope, and I wanted to do that. Um, I had originally thought it would be domestic. The book begins in Wisconsin and then moves to Seattle, and I thought I would have them go back to Wisconsin because authors like to do things in circles. <laughs> circles work so nicely on the page. Um, but it became clear to me uh, very late in the drafting process, unfortunately, that um, I wanted to end the book without answering the question. Um, I didn't want to say, and then she knew she would be a girl forever. And I didn't want to say, and then he went back to being a boy forever. And it's a hard thing to do in English because of pronouns. Um, I think that they then pronoun works pretty well in speech. I think on the page and especially in fiction, it's harder, um, particularly if it comes in at the end and hasn't been something we've been doing all along. So I had to find another way to talk about being in the middle and 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 having to live in that place of not knowing and um and that was buddhism and so um and and that that brought me to thailand very very effective you have i mean let, let's just say you are a new york times bestseller how has that yeah. that's that's not only impressive, but how has that changed you both in the stakes of what you write and just being able to say, I'm a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to happen. Yes, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, it is a, it, it, I do, it's a, it's a very interesting question, like how it changes the stakes. I think that the stakes are, it's something I'm thinking about a lot lately because I have a book coming out in two months and then therefore at this very weird time when the book is out of my hands, but not yet in anyone else's, um, people keep saying to me, oh, are you excited? And I say, no, <laughs> I'm not excited. I'm, I'm terrified and, and I'm weird. I'm just living in this very strange space it is in many ways odd that we ask authors to be like this public persona because what it takes to write a book is basically like years and years and years of you know butt plus chair basically like living but with people you've made up as if they're real people but otherwise nobody else like all by yourself and it's really i mean it's just years and years on end in your pajamas and then <laughs> you know and then you're like oh you must go out into the world and i'm like well i don't remember how to do that <laughs> um it's a it is a it is a very strange thing and it is also true that um i've been thinking one of the things that is that is strange that happens is the timeline is such that I have been thinking about 
was thinking about these people nonstop for the three and a half years it took me to write Family Family. But now it's been out of my hands. By the time it gets into anybody else's, I won't. I mean, at one point I had read it so many times I could recite it. But now I will, people will ask me questions and I'll think, gosh, I don't remember, <laughs> which is also really, yes. really an interesting transition. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to do the Cliff Notes version before you yeah, start. Yeah, right. The, yeah. The, the circuit. But being a New York Times bestseller does two things, right? It gives you a platform to say yeah. what's important. Yeah. And it gives you a responsibility, though, as well. How that is well has put. That, thank you. How has that been a leverage for you? And what are the things you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, that's a, and that is exactly what it is. I get to talk about what I want to talk about and what I, well, so this novel is about, this new novel, Family Family, is about adoption. And, um, and it allows me to say this, this thing that I'm forever, I mean, I'm almost always writing novels about things that I'm ranting to myself about in the shower, or like while I walk the dog. Um, There are things that I am, that I get all riled up about. And one of them is the portrait of adoption that we get so so often in books and on tv and in and in film and in in the media and like really in the water just you know we're talking about this at large whereas where it's just that it's this like really unfortunate way of making a family that we're all settling for and if anybody had had another option they would have taken it but since they didn't here we are. We're going to make the best we can of this subpar family. And that makes me uh, apoplectic. <laughs> that makes me angry. Um, I hate it. And it also makes me bored because I think that, uh, and suspicious, because I think that anyone who's saying this kind of family is the real kind and these kinds are less than. Um, I think that those people often have an agenda and I think that that agenda is a very unfortunate and dishonest one. And I think it's boring. I think that um, in all of our aims towards towards diversity um, and towards wider ranges of normal, I think those are good things. Um, and I don't know why we would draw the line before family. Um, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So then I get to write a novel around that. That's, that is an extraordinary privilege. And I am every day grateful for it. I love just a snippet, which maybe nobody else will have picked up on. I love that you were so honest to say it took you three and a half years to write Family Family. Yes, indeed. So I started this book on writing retreat on March 3rd, 2020. Um, so for like, I don't know, nine whole days there. I was really, really productive because I was at Ragdale, which is this um, artist residency outside of Chicago. I was essentially in a prairie in the middle of nowhere. Um, It was a great nine days. It was a great nine days. And then Seattle Public Schools sent my kid home for a year and a half. And the rest of this book was written in 15 minute increments between remote school disasters. And so first of all, second of all, there was a great bit of existential dread, (laughs) which (laughs) of course made everything very difficult for everyone in the world and is the particularly strange thing when you're doing something as kind of, you know, forward looking as, as writing a novel that you know, isn't going to come out for, you know, for years and years. And, and suddenly the future looked, very unpredictable nothing that I that I mean even things like oh this character is at school nope that's no longer you know like you would have imagined in say February 2020 that you could send a child to school in a novel and not have everybody read it and think oh that would never happen 
But then suddenly that was so yesterday. Was, was so <laughs> yesterday, and that is a really interesting place to write from. So yeah, this one took a while. <laughs> uh, because you are so commercially successful, I mean, mm-hmm. there's the incredible accolade of having that um, New York Times bestseller, but that also means commercially successful, not to mention all of the translations into, I think it's 25 different languages, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. Um, does that set you up to think about commercial success in your future writing? Yes. I mean, yes. I think it's, it, it, it either is or gets hard to not think about what's going to happen when you have to sell this book. Um, I didn't think about it at all when I was writing my first novel because I didn't even know whether I could write a novel. And I also knew absolutely nothing about the publication process. Um, but, But then you very quickly learn there are a lot of people involved and I don't want to disappoint any of them. And my ability to get to write another hinges on on how well the previous one did. And, you know, you live and die with these things a little bit. It's like putting your soul on a page and so, and sending it out into the world. So like, of course you want people to love it. Not, not just because, you know, you want to be able to eat, (laughs) like that is, you know, make a living doing this sort of thing. But, um, you know, but also because I, I want, I want it, I, I feel like the world would be a better place if everyone read what I told them to and, <laughs> and like came to agree with me about so many things, you know? And I think like, no, adoption is great. Give me 385 pages and I'll show you. And, um, you know, and, and that is, that is definitely, that is definitely my desire. I, I love your candor in, in the way that you answered <laughs> I, that you answered that. And I love the idea that if everybody just read what you told them to, that would be great. Yeah, you, that's you definitely true. Are, you are a I, beyond voracious reader. I don't even know what beyond, as an author myself, I should know what beyond <laughs> voracious is, but you are a beyond voracious reader. And yeah. you, I read and listened to an, uh, an interview that you gave that says you read as a writer. And yeah. it was fascinating to hear uh, you and I do, I, I will never aspire to be you, but I do the same <laughs> thing. Talk about how, when you read the notes you take, because I found that amazing and a kindred spirit. Yes. So yes, this is true. I, I read as a writer and not only that, but when I teach writing, I teach people to read as writers because I think if you're going to write, you ought to be you ought to be reading voraciously, and and I think that there's a little bit of a, I mean, I think there's something to be, I it is a practice. I mean, I think of it the way people um, talk about meditation or or yoga. Like I I think of it as a practice. Um, I, I am always reading something. It is almost always a novel because I'm almost always writing a novel. Um, and it is different than research. It is, but it is, it is that sort of um, reading something very, very specifically to see how is, how is this made to work? How is it put together? Um, and I write about it afterwards without fail. Every time I finish a book um, or a play or 
frankly, a lot of TV shows these days and you know, whatever else <laughs> it is, um, I, I write a little mini essay for myself, basically, wherein I think like, here's what worked and how it was made to work. And here's what I thought did not work and why it didn't work. And here's how I'm going to apply that to my own work in progress. Like here are the the lessons that I want to take from it. And I, they are very practical, you know, the, because the kind of woo woo, like, oh, right, beautiful, insightful things, that's not helpful. Whereas like the chapters were kept short. Therefore, I was interested in what happened next. Like that is a very practical thing that I can implement. And then the next book, I say like, ah, okay, these chapters were too short. Why? Because it was about this thing instead of this thing. And that meant that I couldn't get caught up in the characters. So like super, then I have that note to myself. Um, and I find that to be a necessary part of the writing process, that reading process to be a necessary part of the writing process. And, and thank you for laying it out for us, because I think that'll be helpful to so many listeners. I'd like to close with one of the things I heard you say, which, and I think it has to do with, I, you and I have never spoken. I think of you as very, very humble, even though you have this amazing resume. You, you. You're welcome. You <laughs> write with a somebody else's book in your lap. And why yeah. do you do that? Yes, I do. Okay. The short answer is because I hate social media. (laughs) I, you know, and like everyone, I, when you're writing, you, you know, you write for a little while and then you don't know what the next sentence is or your brain is tired and you need a small break. And um, if you don't have a book, then you alt tab over to, you know, the social media drug of your choice and get sucked into that. And, um, and first of all, it is, that is time-consuming and meant to be time-consuming. It is It is not meant to be something that you dip into and back out again. Uh, it is meant to be something that eats your soul. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and it makes me feel terrible. So I don't do that. So then I need something else for when my brain needs to go do something else for a minute. And, and if it's a book, then in addition to giving your brain this little break, you also get to to read a book and there's nothing I mean I just think there's nothing better than reading a book which is why we're which why I'm engaged in doing this in the first place so and unlike social media that has been you know it has been edited and crafted and and it often is really very beautiful and it's doing a thing and I'm interested in all of that um so I'll read a page or two and then and I find it really inspirational because I think like that person sat down and finished their book. So I need to stop reading it and get back to doing my own. Um, It is interesting because I've never met anybody else who does that. And when I tell people that they look at me like I'm crazy, but I I cannot actually imagine why everyone doesn't. It's such an obvious hack to me. I I just think everybody should should read this way and write this way. I'm going to try that. Uh, But I love that you um, were so uh, detailed about that. And it's, it's the inspirational part. I've also heard you say that even the book that's in my lap that I'm, I may be loving was yeah. once a really bad first draft. Of course it was. Yes, of course it was. And, uh, and it's important to think about that always at the, like at keeping that at the front of your brain is that you are reading a finished product. You were only ever reading, unless you are, you know, an editor in a writer's group, something like that. You were almost only ever reading a product that has been through 
revisions and edits and copy edits and proofreading and, um, you know, and the wisdom usually of lots of other people who came in and said, oh, you should do more of this and less of this and it drags here and we need more of this. And all of that is really, really wonderful, but it didn't start out that way. Lori Frankel, I feel it was such a gift to have. This is how it always is. Certainly a gift to have you on the show. Can't wait to see family, family in print and out Thank in the you. world. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a delight. Take care. Thank you. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.